Section 24 of Luke Guru. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Luke Guru by Eden Philpotts. Bully Bottom. You marked that man what were at the bar when we came in? The big, noisy chap with the red face and bull neck. He must stand six feet two if an inch. So he do, or maybe more. And you seen how he skipped out into the fresh air when his eye dropped on me? He had certainly departed somewhat abruptly from the little noisy drinking saloon in Port of Spain. The chap rather bustled out, I admitted. Yes, and he always bustles when he sees me. He'll bustle in kingdom come likewise if I'm down his alley, though I hopes I shan't be. You didn't see his left hand, did you? No, I noticed nothing particular. Ah, but it's the darndest queer hand in Trinidad for all that. He don't flourish it much now, but it was along of flourishing it too free that he came by his accident. I'll tell you the yarn if you're minded to listen. Bully Bottom, that cuss is called. I judge he've got the biggest body and the dirtiest heart in the West Indies. But it was me as found him out and figured him up and subtracted what was bad and showed there weren't nothing left. He says he's Merkin, which is a lie. He comes from one of them God-forgotten republics on the mainland, I judge. Left it sudden when they took to shooting, reckoning himself too big to be about where lead was flying around. However, here he came and soon found pals by virtue of his size and his side. He talked so darned large and bounced so fierce that our boys guessed he must be a big bug down on his luck and just come over to port of spain to lie low till his pards were in again over the water but not he he was a meaner viler cuss than the beastliest bum in new york a common card sharp and black-legged thief he is now and maybe his carroty head will be white afore the devil's done stoking under his gridiron it was this way after he joined our party, and afore he was known for what he is, the authorities got sick over the gambling that went on in certain quarters, and reckoned to stick up our show and shut down on the whole party of us, especially on Sunday. The Sabbath was, and is, a tidy sporting day in these parts, but twas reckoned six days a week were enough to paint the old town red, and that we'd best rest ourselves on the seventh. Well, we were industrious parties, and times being hard in Trinidad, as they mostly is, we reckoned we couldn't be idle on the Lord's day, cause you see, Satan's round busier that day than most any other. The question was how to best the powers, and I, single-handed, were the man would solve the riddle. Twarn't no manner of use stopping ashore to play. That only meant free lodgings without the drink what's necessary to a man's constitution in these parts. 
but there was the Gulf of Pariah a staring us in the face, and that give me the tip. A man's a right to take his day of rest aboard a steamboat if it pleases him so to do. That's what I says to the boys, and they tumbled, fully bottom quicker than any of them. We made a preliminary experiment or two on the strict quiet, and it worked miraculous. Then, finding it was a snip, we started the thing on a regular business track and ran it for all it was worth. The authorities seemed kind of pleased. Maybe they judged Port of Spain could thrash along without us one day in seven. Maybe they guessed we was playing right into the end of the Lord and would probably start some day and not come home. Anyway, they winked, and we had our bouts aboard outside the Dragon's Teeth, which is them islands you comes through into the Gulf. It was cool and pleasant and businesslike also, because our boat, the Pearl, were small and compact, and a difference of opinion had to be settled mighty smart it being impossible to keep out of range if a firing party was determined. We had merry times aboard for a month of Sundays, a sailing away that quiet and respectable as one might have guessed we was just a cargo of missionaries a-going to convert the mainland, a-looking at nature's tropical picture books spread around us, and breathing the fresh air and talking pretty. That was till we got through the dragon's teeth. Then, you bet, the scene changed, like a two-dime panorama. T'was the devil's picture books as we looked at then, and not nature's no more. Liquor and language and the rigor of the game were the watchword. We played most everything, poker and euchre for choice. My whole euchre. I've played it thirty years, and I know the game better than you know your alphabet. Others went for nap or what not, but we was all busy mighty soon, making hay whilst the sun shone. Now I'm coming to Bully. He was particular spry on them trips, and talked big enough for thunder, but he were no great shakes when it came to handling the pictures. You might have judged he could bluff, but he weren't even equal to that, not clever. I sized him down in two trips not but what others hadn't already assured. But I judges all men by personal acquaintance only, and I'd never played with this one afore we went out into the Caribbean in the Pearl. Poker was his fancy, so he said, and we played brisk, five of us under an awning forward. All went merry as a bell, and Bully lost fifty dollars for we'd got properly seated. Bimby, he lost fifty more, then he dried up for that journey, and went and soaked in the bar aft, and made a remark or so as he'd better have thought than spoken. There was a misunderstanding in consequence, and my chum Brad's got his hair off along of something unkind, what Bully said of me, and went for Bully all ends up. Brad's is only an eight-stone man, you see, and Bully Bottom's weight might be fifteen stone or so. Therefore, my party Brad's, who trusted to nature's weapons, as the saying is, got badly left. And when I come to aft to catch the speaker's eye, I found Bully, crowing to his pals, and Brad's mighty cheap, 
spitting his teeth into Neptune's bosom with his nose in a new pattern and his frame of mind frightful. But I'd done just nothing. I heard both sides and sat tight, merely saying as I took no stock on second-hand stories, If you've got anything on your chest again me, I says to Bully, Get it off, Sonny, and let both sides lie low while we have it out with the weapons provided by civilization. But he swore Brad's was all wrong and had insulted him something terrible, and he lied to me that he'd never said a word about my manner of play. One or two what had heard him smiled as loud as a royal mail steam whistle, and the subject dropped. I'd done nothing, as I says. The day was Sunday. Besides, it weren't the last opportunity, so I waited to round till I'd got a better game, and just tidied Brad's and mopped him up and cooled him down. Things simmered, and Bottom lost again next Sunday, but kept me out of his conversation as though I'd been a decent word. Then on the third picnic, a darned remarkable thing happened. Bully brought a strange pal and didn't play himself, but introduced his pard to our set and hoped we'd extend the hand of friendship, which we'd done. The pard, Greenleaf by name, being a tidy, quiet sort and mighty agreeable in his manners. Well, he skinned us. There's no other word you can use for it. Poker were the pastime. He played smiling and slow and deliberate, and bottom who sat over against him, merely looking on, chafed us and asked him where he'd learnt it from, and such like. I was playing myself, and I smelt a rat. Bluff's all right, but a man must fly into it sometimes, and Bully Bottom's part never done so. He was always on the right side of the fence. Of course we seen the game, but not the trick. But the boys knew me and finding I kept my mouth shut, they did the like, and went on losing as cheerful as kittens till I stopped. That was not till we started for home. Then I saw brides, and we had a parliament, and I carried my bill, which was simple. Sunday come round again, and sure enough, when the pearl started, peaceful as a worm, for us hard-working souls to suck the fresh air as usual, there were Bully and his pard taking stock of the weather and whistling hymns together. It made me feel good to look at him. Bully wouldn't play being broke, so he said, and his pal let on as he was mighty unwilling and only yielded to pressure because he wanted to let us have our revenge being a sportsman. Then I said I wouldn't play neither. But Brad's, he showed for me, and I just bummed round looking at the different parties and watching the fun. Bully, he comed with me at first, but seemed kinder absent, and I observed he kept turning his eyes to where his pal sat playing, calm as ever, but not doing so well, by no means, as on the Sunday before. Presently I sits down with the party right aft, and then, as I expected, Bully, seeing me grounded, sailed forward and squatted over against his pal, same as he'd done before. From where I sat, I could see him flourishing his hands, as per usual, 
and fidgeting with his cigarettes. And I also observed that his pal pulled himself together straight away, straight on end, mind you, from the time that bully left up. I dawdled round behind a cigar, looking out the corner of my eye, and then I dropped on it. The dodge was not too new, but he certainly done it remarkable natural, and his slow-going pal, dreamy and sleepy in his manner, and never apparently looking off his hand, helped him wonderful. Of course, Bully were signaling like a shipwrecked crew in mid-ocean when a steamer sighted. He'd done it with his fingers and his eyes on the opposite Joker's cards. I watched his fat hand and seen his pal looking at it too, under his eyelids. He had three fingers up when I concluded to protest. You see this knife? Heavy and sharper and three razors or thirty. I was wearing it as usual, and I hesitated between that and a shooting iron. Being a merciful man in a small way, I judged the knife was the right ticket for that journey, and I got behind Bully and didn't lose no time. He had his three fat fingers sprawling at Brad's elbow, and the little one tucked in out of the cold, lucky for it were so. My knife come down like the stroke of doom just half an inch above Bully's knuckles, and his remark, which was loud and forcible, drew everybody's attention to his trouble. What they seen was three fingers lying in a neat row on the table, and Bully hopping round with his left hand under his right flipper. Everybody knew what them three fingers meant. A volume of sermons couldn't have spoke louder. Of course, Bully judged lead would be his next dose, and he went down the hatch to get in a cabin and make a fight of it if he could, naturally guessing his time was ripe. But owing to its being the Lord's day, I guess, a kinder peace settled over everybody when they seen them fingers lying there. I flicked Bully's cheating, swindling claws into the Caribbean one after the other to feed sharks. Then I wiped my knife and went round for a word with Bully's pal. He changed to more colors than a rainbow, but them colors died speedy and left him white as foam. He just turned out his pockets without a word and pushed the money he'd won away into the middle of the table. Then he says, Thank you, boys, for not shooting. We both's in fault, me as much as him, but I guess we'll learn better. He's my husband anyhow. I'll go now, if you'll permit, and tell him there won't be no shooting. We blinked, I can tell you. That slim and slight she were, but she bolted down below to him, and nobody did anything more as a kind of protest-like, and they was the first to go ashore when we got back. A pretty down-in-the-mouth procession, too. The woman's dead now, been dead these several years for what I've told you happened a longish while ago, but Bully's left, and the longer he's left, the bigger balance he's running up against himself for his next billet. We never spoke after that little matter upon the pearl. He's an unforgiving cuss, 
and I'm darned if I don't think he'd do me an injury tomorrow, supposing he could engineer it safe and peaceful from behind in the dark. End of section 24. Recording by Narrator Jay.